Hello and welcome back to Two Barstools and a Knife, talking about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. As always, I'm Professor Nathan Dodge, joined by my two great professors from FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, Professor Brian Connors and Chef John Noble Massey. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Hello. Good, Good morning. morning. How's everything going, morning. guys? It's been, um, I think we're on week 12 right now of social confinement. I was on a meeting the other day. We're on week 12 being away from school. We've got 11 more weeks until we get back to school for fall semester. So basically, this is the halfway point. So you haven't pulled your Not hair like you're out counting. Yet. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I think we're all good. So we're going to get started in a couple minutes. First, we're really psyched today to have today's guest. We'll be talking about the events industry. Now, I know not everybody lives in the state. Um, some of our listeners are in France. Bonjour. France. Bonjour. Bonjour, France. Yes, yes. yes. But everyone else out on the interweb, we are based in South Florida, hence the F in FIU, Florida International University. And our guest today took a small wine event that was in the backfields of FIU and turned it into the, one of the largest wine and food festivals in the world. Now, this event spans more than actually 100 different events, uh, multiple counties, multiple days, multiple venues. This thing is huge. And what we're talking about today is the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So, gentlemen, please help me welcoming chef, author, raconteur, philanthropist, visionary, and all-around great guy, Lee Brian Schrager. Hi, Lee. Hey, Good morning, hey welcome, Lee. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, John. Good to see everybody. Good morning. Good to see yes. you. Cool. So, Lee, before we get started, Brian, what's going on in Bacardi World? Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, super stoked to have Lee with us today. This is going to be a great conversation. Uh, Bacardi World, all things Bacardi, as usual, are moving forward quite nicely. Glasses, as we always talk about, are filling up. Remember to talk to your advisors or feel free to reach out to Professor Dodge or myself if you have any particular questions. Uh, we have some new exciting things coming up with that. Hey, gang, you know, we, I got the, the final numbers, and I know we've been going back and forth on our first Bacardi talk where we had Pete Carr and the team from Bacardi North America with us. Uh, 564 people joined us via Zoom and Facebook Live. So I had to put that together awesome. a quick little... Yeah, man, I was super stoked. You know, we always... Yeah, that's great numbers. 400, but when I got the final tallies back from IT this morning, or actually last night, I was like, wow, that's great. So we're looking forward to that. So we're going to be doing another Bacardi Talks in July. Uh, the guest or, of du jour is yet to be determined. Perhaps our friend Lee can help us out with that because we really like to have innovators, movers and shakers in our industry going forward with that. Bacardi Teach is roaring, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we had a wonderful press release go out with that, talking about all the wonderful things we're doing with the Hospitality Relief Fund, which is part of SOBI and FIU. So Lee, again, thank you for that. And we teamed up. So we're doing some amazing stuff. So people are able to uh, log on, sign up, and then from there, uh, take modules at their own speed. Uh, as soon as you're able to complete up to five modules, as well as an exit survey, we just want some feedback, that's all, you'll be able to have your beverage excellence certificate of completion. And then remember, we're just getting started. We are literally just getting started. So we're going to be adding more and new exciting content as we go along. Uh, lastly, also the scholarships. Uh, scholarships, we had 68 students uh, apply for our scholarship program that are pre-qualified. They're in the reviewing process now. Uh, this is wonderful. You know, we like to help out as much as we can. Uh, we'll do as much as we can with that. 
So that process is closed now. So those of you that are, did are listening and applied for that, we will be able to get back to you shortly on that. I think in a nutshell, that's pretty good. But the Bacardi classroom you guys see behind me is moving forward. We're really, as Nathan said, excited uh, to get back on campus. What that's going to look like quite yet, we don't know, but we will definitely... I'll be back on campus at some point. So that's all in the Bacardi world right now. Let's get to our guest, man. So Brian, you mentioned scholarships and Lee I know has a scholarship in his name plus with the South Beach Wine and Food Festival has donated millions and millions of dollars to our students for scholarships as well as the university and um, building classrooms and everything else. So hey Lee, how's it going? Okay. All good here. I'm back in the Wynwood uh, venue that we opened up uh, during the South Beach Festival, the Wednesday night of the festival, and uh, we kind of closed it almost immediately after the festival. So it's good to be back in our Wynwood venue that we've been, you know, working and building for the last four and a half, five years already. So uh, good to have the team back, and good to be, uh, you know, kind of returning to a little sense of normalcy, whatever that may be at present. Yeah, I'm sure. That facility is amazingly. We did our uh, Bacardi dinner there, the first yeah, event you did. Yeah. And again, thank you for your support there. But that was absolutely fantastic. The kitchen, I almost said galley, my Freudian slip, uh, but is absolutely fantastic. So we're looking forward to doing more events with you there. That was our first and only event we did before we got. No, we actually did some events over the weekend at the South Beach Festival, some small yeah, uh, master classes. But after that, we were done. So it's uh, we can't wait to fire up the kitchens again. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we look forward to breaking it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lee, I kind of glanced over the fact that the South Beach Wine and Food Festival did start as the um, FIU Wine Extravaganza on our right. campus. That was 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, it moved to the beach. So, right. and, and you kind of spearheaded that. So you want to talk about how that moved from a tiny little event to the, the gigantic event we've got going on now? Well, you're right. It's exactly 20 years ago because South Beach will celebrate 20 years in February when we're back uh, February 25 through 28. And uh, basically, I, I joined Southern Wine and Spirits, now Southern Glazers, about 21 years ago. And we already had a great commitment to the school and to the Beverage Management Center, the, the Southern Glazers, uh, Southern Wine and Spirits Beverage Management Center. And as you had said, they were already doing this kind of one day Florida extravaganza that was on the grounds of the campus right outside uh, on the water. And um, it was really a nice local event. And I kind of thought that the best way to expand it would be to take it off the grounds of the school, you know, and really blow it up. And uh, hence, that was the beginning of the uh, South Beach Wine and Food Festival 20 years ago. You, you know, uh, the first event we ever did 21 years ago at the university was an event called Women in Industry. We did a dinner um, before we had the new Wine Spectator dining room. We did a dinner, uh, Women in Industry, and had Hetty Goldsmith and Michelle Bernstein and Cindy Hudson. Oh. Uh, so yeah. long before, you know, the people were saying there were no women in the kitchen, we were celebrating women in the kitchen 21 years ago at FIU. Oh, bravo, awesome. bravo. So, Lee, 20, 20 years ago, did you expect that the event was going to be what it is today and have 100 events, multiple counties from, I guess it's from probably what, the Upper Keys up through uh, Fort Lauderdale? No, so, no. When we started, you know, we had no vision, no really no great vision other than to do something, you know, that was great for the university that would create awareness and dollars for the university and be a great hands-on experience for the students. 
we we did we had no idea what it would grow into. And it was really not until the end of the second year when we, you know, year number two, when we finished that, we said, wow, this has amazing potential and, you know, started creating long-term plans and building a steady team. Uh, so I, I, I would think that it was year, you know, going into year three when we started looking at it much differently. Guys, jump in whenever you want. Um, I, so started at CIA, correct? Is that... I did. I, I, gradu- I, I graduated uh, from the Culinary Institute of America in 1979. Um, yeah. I was right, John. I was right. We yeah. had bets going, you know, We had I, bets I thought, going. I thought you were 80s, and I, I'm an 86 guy. And no, so, no, no. I'm, I'm 79 with Anthony Bourdain. He was six months ahead of me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know. What, 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 what a great company. Did you have interaction with him, Lee, while, while you were a student? Or? Yes, we were not friendly, uh, but we were in a few classes. We actually were in a work-study program together. We were both on work-study, and we were in, I I recall, a sanitation class and one other class, a cooking class. I don't remember what it was, but uh, we did two classes together and a work-study program. No, that's not true. It wasn't a work. It was a project, not a work-study program. For some, like, after extracurricular activity, it was not work-study, now that I recall. Yeah, they used to do those chef's days there and invite the public in, similar to, uh, you know, I guess, just creating some uh, engagement with the local community there. I'm not sure if they they were starting to do that when you were a student. No, 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 they weren't doing it at that point. I mean, obviously, it's a long time ago. It's 40 years ago. Well, mm. yeah, 40, over 40 years ago since I left there. So uh, things have changed a bit. Yeah. Who is your who's your favorite chef that you enjoyed or chefs that that uh, that you want to give a shout out or that were this is a, a loaded mentors? question, Lee. It's a loaded question. Be careful. It's not a loaded question. I can't remember their names. There was a French chef. His last name began with a G. Uh, Claude Germont. Claude Germont. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I uh-huh. can't believe I remember that name. I've not said it in forty years. Yes. Claude Germont was one of my favorite instructors. Wow, I have to Google him to see what he's up to. And a, it was a sanitation teacher. Her name was June Fleming. Okay. Yeah, but Clark Amon, I'm writing that down to follow up and see where he is today. Yeah, he, he um, when he left the school, he opened up a little Restaurant French in that restaurant. area, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, specializing in Norman cuisine. Norman yeah, 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 yes, yeah. I kind of remember that. Yes, I, I now so, that you say it, I kind of remember. Yeah. I think I saw it in one of the um, mailers that the CIA gets, sends out. Yeah, so he was a good guy. Yeah, great guy. Um, and any other memorable, any any story or memory that you, you, you that, that sticks out from you from your CIA days? I'm trying to think. Uh, of course, I can barely remember where I ate last night, let alone... Um, yeah. 40 years ago, I, I just have to tell you that I, you know, I loved being up at the Culinary Institute of America. It was really one of the great, you know, one of my favorite education experiences that I recall. I, I did not love being in school or high school, but I loved being at the Culinary Institute of America. I loved Hudson. You know, I loved being in the Hudson. I loved uh, Poughkeepsie. I, I really, you know, some friends that I made there 40 years ago are still friends of mine today. So I have a great, great, you know, uh, allegiance to the school. And uh, I don't go up as often as I like. Uh, I, I, it's been a few years already since I've been up. But I, I have been back. I, I've spoken at a few graduations over the years. But I have only great memories of the school. And I love the work that they do and the education, the classes they provide for the students today. 
I was going to say, the oh, reason why I brought up the loaded question, though, Johnny, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 is yeah. that. Now, Lee, did you have uh, Noble Massey? The, uh, he might have been, was he dean at the time, John? Or the he was dean. He, uh, yeah. Can I tell you, I, he wasn't dean. When I was there, tell me a name of the dean. I remember, uh, not the, Paul, the, Paul was, Ryan's there. The, yeah, Paul Ryan's there now. I don't, re, uh, the, I don't remember the, the dean was. The the president of the school at that time was Ferdinand Metz. Metz, or, Ferdinand Metz, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I actually think that Ferdinand came in as I was graduating. There was another yeah. one before him. Ferdinand Metz came in just as I was leaving. The last few there days. was um, Jacob Rosenthal and then Henry Barber. Barber Henry, Henry Barber. Barber. Henry Barber. That's exactly who it was. Henry Barber was there when I was there, and then it, as I was leaving or right after I left, it was Ferdinand Metz. So I really didn't have any. Uh, um, experiences and direct dealings with them. So we're going to change yeah, the name yeah, of this it, program to the CIA guys talking and Brian and I are going to go get a beer. Well, you know, yeah, so, you know, there is a, just as there is with FIU alumni, there is a fairly significant camaraderie and connection for any CIA grad. And, sure. And, hey, and uh, I love it. And I, I hope that one day our students are talking about all the excitement that they had back in. Um, right. Back in the 2020s with your class and my class and Brian's class. You know, the difference that would be there, awesome. the big difference, um, of course, now you have housing on property yeah. at the campus. You know, you know, I really think it was the living on campus that made my experience so great. You know, the friends and what we did on weekends. And, you know, I was from Florida at that point. We had moved to Florida. My parents were there. So, you know, I had friends and every weekend we either went into the city uh, or went to their homes in Connecticut. So it was a really nice experience, yeah. I have to say. Some of the, you know, some of my favorite times were my CIA yeah. without a doubt. You grew up in South Florida? No, I grew up. Uh, I grew up on Long Island. Uh, we moved a New to Yorker. South Florida when I was fifteen. So I finished high school down here. I finished high school. I graduated in eleventh grade. I, I uh, accelerated, graduated early, and uh, went to CIA. I had just turned sixteen. I, I my birthday's in May. And I started CIA, I think, in June or July. So, you know, at that time, the CIA was really a school for people coming back with second degrees. You know, people in my class, my friends from CIA, probably the youngest one closest to me was five years. Or no, that's not true. Probably three or four years away. But there were people in my class when I was 16 or 17 who were 40 years old, back for second careers. Uh, I don't think it's the same today. Maybe it is. I don't know. But, you know, I had lots of friends at that point who were, uh, you know, almost my parents' age. Yeah, I, re I was sharing uh, before you got on, I was sharing some stories with the guys about some of my uh, colleagues that were went to school with me and they were second career students. So. And John, uh, didn't you think you were the youngest to ever attend? I think Lee's got yes. run <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I, I you know. You know, Lee, I, I graduated a year early from high school and, and I'm like, my birthday's in June. So I think I, I just turned 17. And then September, I went to CIA and I was like, oh, I, I think I'm the youngest. And so oh, I was 16. You, you, you beat me by a year. Yep. So kudos. Yep. There you go. 
So let no, me switch gears uh, real quick, gang. Uh, yeah, we go, love go the CIA back. conversation from the former yes. John, Johnson Oils <laughs> grad, um, but uh, a wonderful school, and I've had the opportunity to lecture there myself uh, for their wine program mm-hmm. years ago. Absolutely breathtaking campus. So all that being said, talk about breathtaking. Look at that segue. Hey, Lee, I'd love to learn more about your SIP program, uh, particularly, uh, I know you started it last Friday. We're kicking it off every Friday coming up. Uh, you know, how do people sign up? How do our students, uh, give us all the info. Well, the SIP program, you know, when we got back to the uh, Winwood about three weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago, uh, you know, I was walking around this venue and I said, wow, this venue is just too beautiful not to be using, you know, until we're really able to use it. And for the New York City Wine and Foods Festival, we had launched back in early April a series of cooking at home series, uh, a cooking at home series that we started promoting and they were incredibly popular. Sponsorships were huge for it. You know, Bank of America underwrote the two set, the two series, two months of it. We had lots of brand support and the attendance was great. We had everyone from, you know, Daniel Ballou and Tyler Florence and John George Von Richten and Giada De Laurentiis and Bobby Flay and Guy Fieri. You say and, Giada, you got John's face all happy. He yeah. loves Giada. So we did these sessions and it was a great time to get people because the chefs were not, you know, mo- you know, getting these people normally would be difficult. They have busy travel schedules there always on the road, but the fact right. that everyone was sitting at home, we really, I have to say, uh, uh, we, 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 we thought we were going to do 20 sessions. We ended up by the time we're done at the end of May doing 45 sessions. Uh, wow. It's been incredibly popular. Very, very, very popular. Um, and it's raised a lot of money. It's raised almost over $400,000 for the uh, uh, National Restaurant Association Industry Relief Program. So we really love doing it. Been a, it's been great to connect with the talent, many of you know, most of which were my friends, and uh, you know, be part of the series. So it's been really popular for us. Excellent. So now you're doing the SIP program, and I saw that you did the, um, a big sale out of the uh, the front yard of your house. We did, we did, we did, we did a bake sale. Uh, we did six weeks of a bake sale. You know, you got another one coming up. Yeah, we, we're going to do one. At, uh, we're going to do one. One. Well, we we thought it was our final one a few weeks ago. I think. May 31st, which was actually my birthday, we said that was going to be the final one, uh, really because restaurants are open again. We didn't want to take away any business from restaurants. So it was an idea that, um, you know, once at the very early stages of the pandemic, I had a conference call one Saturday morning. I think it was probably that uh, 23rd, 20, it was March 21st, Saturday morning, March 21st. And I had a call with about 20 South Florida chefs. I had sent out an email inviting about 25 people to join, about 20 over, I think 21, 22 join. And, you know, we talked about what was important to them and what was important to them was really their employees. Every restaurant said unanimously, listen, they were concerned about their rent. They were concerned about money they owed to vendors, but their number one priority were their employees. You know, I, I said, give me a few days. And, you know, I came back a few days later after a conversation with Michael Cheng, and we started this uh, industry hospitality relief fund. And we took $500,000 from the proceeds of last year's South Beach Wine and Food Festival, went to Bacardi, who gave us $250,000, and went to Badia, who gave us $250,000. Uh, and then we raised another $700,000 along the way from different sponsors, different friends, and the bake sale. So all in all, it's raised over a million point seven hundred thousand dollars and we've distributed most of it already to the South Florida community. So almost That's all the money. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for everything you've yes. done for thank the community you, thank and, you, and, thank and for you. the university. That is awesome. 
No, we had a good um, time. The bake sales were very popular on Sunday mornings. We only had one rain, one uh, one kind of uh, washout one Sunday. Uh, but other than that, we had five great Sundays of bake sales with, you know, some of the great artisanal bakers in town and lots of great restaurants in town participating. And everyone wanted to be part of it. I, I was I was going to say, I, th- I think we had in the Bacardi conversation that, that Brian led the other day, the the team really focused on culture and I can't tell you what a huge amount of respect I have for, for you and the, and the university uh, for creating a culture of giving back. And if you were to g- give any advice or suggestions to your colleagues or other, other uh, competitors or other people in the business to focus more in that area, what would you say to them? Well, I, I would just have to say that I was very fortunate in people helping me along the way. I came from very humble beginnings, a very, uh, you know, uh, lo- middle, lower income family. And uh, people afforded me lots of opportunities. I went through college on work study programs and uh, scholarships. And I, I never forgot the opportunities that were afforded to me. And I think that giving back is something that was always instilled upon me. And I certainly working for a company that's Southern Glazers where they really believe in giving back in the communities that they do business in. So it's easy to do it when you have a company behind you like Southern Glazers. I'm really fortunate for, you know, the Chaplin family really who have the same culture and they yes. are phenomenal people. And they're all about giving back and supporting community and education and healthcare are really important to them, you know, above and beyond anything. So, uh, it's great to be wanting to do it, but to be able to do it is something different. And in my position, you know, heading up CSR for Southern Glazers, it really allows me the opportunity to kind of step out of the box and present ideas like this that the company fully supports. That's awesome. You know, and obviously, you know, we're all heavily involved uh, with Sobe uh, due to your efforts. Uh, you know, Shep Massey's running the best of the best uh, as our faculty lead. I'm in the North Venue as a faculty lead. Nathan heads up our ambassador program. So we're all really invested. So I'd love to kind of yeah. talk a little bit about what we're looking at next uh, for our festival coming up this year. Are we looking at something differently? Let's be honest. Or, you know, let's hope and pray. What do you, what do you, what's your gut so far, sir? You know, <laughs> I'm a lot more optimistic for, uh, for South Beach than I am for the New York Festival in October. That will take place. You know, it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. But ultimately, the bottom line message is going to be the same. You know, in New York, our message is eat, drink and hunger. And that's going to be the cause. We're going to really be careful to while we're getting that hunger message out, making sure that we work closely with the chef community because they've been so hurt by what's gone on there. You know, their business has been devastated. So we're going to find a way to support the culinary community, the hospitality industry in the New York area while we're educating and raising funds for hunger. I think that's really important. You know, um, chefs are the most giving people out there in my mind. The first always, people are always asking chefs to step up and support and be involved in an event. And they're always the first to say yes. And I think that it was important. And one of the main reasons that we started the industry relief fund here tied to the festival, South Beach Festival, was because we wanted to, you know, serve those who have served us for so many years. And that was really important for me to be able to give back and you know, the festivals, neither New York or South Beach, would be where we're at today without these chefs and the bartenders and mixologists. And, I, you know, without them, we wouldn't have a festival. And without restaurants, we wouldn't have a sense of culture in each city. You know, restaurants define a city. And, you know, every I, I really believe that 
the culinary scene helps define the city, helps promote the city, helps bring the city to life. And we just would not be, you know, it would be a very different world. Imagine what it would be like. And we just went through it for three months when, you know, many of us are fortunate to go out to eat a few times a week. And for the last three months, we've been home ordering in some nights. But for the most part, it's very different. And I yeah. hate to think of a world without restaurants and without chefs. That's why it's so important to give back. You know, a little quick little follow-up on there. And, uh, you know, restaurants are, you know, going to look different for a while. You know, we just got a quick little update for Broward and Miami, particularly that we're going to be hanging on and standing by on phase two. And quite frankly, guys, I, I'm, I agree with it. You know, you see a lot of pictures. Uh, I'm from the Northeast as well, Lee. And, you know, we see a lot of pictures now on a little place we hang out on called Block Island that people sure. are heading on the ferry and not wearing masks. And, and my fiance is in medical and, you know, she's like, what are they doing? So, you know, Lee, you know, how do you think, you know, is, I've been saying for a while that, you know, the strong will survive. It's very, very true. But we do need, you know, all these restaurants to survive until we get that sense of normalcy back. You know, what are you seeing in your, you know, expertise world here? Well, you know, I, I was just having a conversation early this morning with a good friend of mine who's a, a big food, lifestyle publicist in New York City. You know, I th- think it's early. I mean, fortunately... In South Florida, you know, where I, you know, uh, uh, which is really home, I haven't heard yet of any restaurants not opening. And I, I'm sure there are plenty of them, you know, probably more mom and pop places, you know, out all the way west that maybe I'm just not aware of. Uh, I hope that's not the case. But, you know, I expected to see more restaurant. You know, I'm, I'm happy to say that I haven't seen as restaurants closing. I mean, I have not heard one casualty yet. Uh, I'm sure there will be. I mean, um, I think everyone's hanging in there, going to see how long they can last at 50% occupancy, see if they can create that outdoor dining uh, environment that they've been challenged to promote. You know, I'm just hoping that they can hang hang on through what's going to be a long, hot summer here in South Florida at 50% occupancy uh, with outdoor dining. I, I, I don't know. You know, uh, I also was very disturbed this weekend to see, you know, Mayor Como uh, talking about what was going on in Manhattan and the Hamptons. You know, I, I, I'm in the Hamptons, you know, starting next month throughout the summer. And I, you know, when I heard him mentioning a, uh, the possibility of a lockdown again, I got very concerned. Sure. Uh, not concerned because I couldn't go out to dinner, but concerned because these people really need the money. They, that's their livelihood. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could all cook at home if we had to or pick up food, but... These restaurants really need, it's not, you know, important to keep in mind that when a restaurant closes or a bar closes or a club closes, it's not just those employees who lose their job and the owners who lose their livelihood and their investments, but the vendors, you know, whether it's somebody who, you know, come, a cleaning service who comes in, a garbage service who comes, picks up, the uniform company, the, the wine and spirits vendor, the, their produce person. I mean, it's a hundred different people who are losing work. It's a horrible domino effect. So people yeah. just see a restaurant closing as a horrible thing. It's much more than a restaurant closing. It's really a domino effect that really never ends. Amen to that. You know, and I come from that seasonal background from Newport, Rhode Island, where we are, you know, five months out of the year, we're some of the busiest restaurants in yeah. the world. But the remainder of the time, forget about yeah. it. And my good friend that owns a marina and a restaurant out in Block Island, you know, he's worried. You know, this is yeah. his livelihood. And you're absolutely 100% correct. Because now it's, it's all those ancillary services that go along with it that we really got to look at the big picture. You know, I love the fact, I'm going to switch to positive, guys. Don't worry. 
I love the fact yes, that we you. have seen amazing creativity out of our fellow Absolutely. people in the hospitality industry. Yes. You know, these, these to-go kit cocktails, uh, great. The way we're all stepping up. I don't know about you guys, when we go out and we do try to order out, you know, we'll go get an extra bottle of wine, even if we don't need it. You know, they're offering it 50% off or like, hey, let's, let's try to support as much as we can. So, Lee, what are you seeing down there in Miami uh, that's uh, really blowing your socks off as far as creativity? Or what do you have up your sleeve? Well, I, listen, I've had some great meals. You know, uh, we've, we've done takeout a lot. I mean, we picked up food from Boyardee. We picked up food from Mandolin. We've had food delivered from um, Dave Grutman's Poppy Steaks and Dave Grutman's uh, Mandolin, which have been fantastic. I think Le Petite Maison has done the best job I've ever seen of takeout. I, I think that they should focus on that. I mean, I love that restaurant, but we've ordered uh, two or three times from Le Petit Maison, and it has really been extraordinary. We have a local restaurant uh, in Coconut Grove called Zapote de Mare, one of my favorite restaurants. And from the day one, they turned a small restaurant over quicker than any fine dining restaurant. They just knew what to do. They, they, they knew that what they could do and they turned it into takeout and they had loyal customers who were missing their food. And every day they sent out an e-blast of what the menu was and they had a great way of presenting it on social media and they've stayed alive. I, I don't think, listen, I don't think they were doing the same numbers, but they also didn't have the same expenses, not having the same, you know, that full staff. So I have a, they certainly didn't thrive, but they stayed alive. You know, people like Bashore Bakery, you know, uh, in the Gables where I live, has done, have done an outstanding job. But so many people have done that. I mean, I, it actually surprised me when I heard about menus who were not doing takeout. And I know that every restaurant's not prepared to do takeout. And some chefs think that their food doesn't relate very well for takeout. Uh, and I understand that. And I wouldn't want to compromise myself. But, you know, I, I think that if I was in that position and I had to decide what to do, I, I really applaud so many people. Brad Kilgore for, you know, creating that barbecue menu that he did at Alter. Boyardee, a small little restaurant, for doing such amazing takeout. I, I've been so impressed with how people made it work. They didn't have I a agree. lot of options, but they rose to the occasion. And I, I think that hopefully we'll never have to see a, a shutdown again. But if they do, God forbid, I think these people are going to know what is needed to get right back on their feet and do it again. Guys, I, I think I'm seeing a whole new class coming up here yeah. uh, with us in right, league. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, but that's what the hospitality industry is all about. We're good at that. You know, if you right. put us in a challenge, yeah, you put us in a corner, we're gonna fight our way out. And if oh, you're not, on your feet all the time, I mean, you're people yeah. who are, you know, behind the stove. Your things are changing. There's always an issue in the kitchen every night, and chefs are very quick to react. Yeah, they, they react. They, you know, they, they're they, they're they're uh, proactive. And I think that's why the chefs have done so well. They're used to thinking ahead. They're used to thinking on their feet. And I really applaud. I, I've been so impressed with Michelle Bernstein bringing back her fried chicken night, you know, yeah. on Friday nights. Red Steakhouse yeah. doing a fried chicken night as well. I, I, I just think that people have done such a great job. And I'm so proud of, you know, many of my friends here in, the, in Miami or uh, South Florida area who have really done everything they could to stay afloat. Yeah. You know, hopefully we're all going to, you know, survive well, but you know, what great lessons we've learned now. Yeah. Uh, because right. we, you know, we can't forget this, it, you yeah. know, uh, who'd ever think yeah. we'd see it in our lifetime and we can't forget that it happened. And, um, you, you know, I, I certainly hope I don't see it again, but I wouldn't want to see it again anytime soon. And yep. I think it was a real learning experience. I mean, it, it was an experience staying at home every night, 
You know, I've watched more TV in the last 12 weeks than I've watched <laughs> yeah. 50 years. You know, I feel like I finished Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Now, now, what, what else is to watch now? You yeah, know? So, I don't know. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. whenever I speak to a friend, they say, what are you, what are you watching that you love? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it used to be, oh, where are you going out tonight? Oh, what yeah, are you watching? Exactly. What's, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, it's a, let me just bring it back to that strategy thing because Nathan and I both teach uh, our senior seminar. You know, and something, I don't know about you, Dodge, but it's something that never crossed my mind to say, okay, how do we prepare for a pandemic? You know, but this is not even, this is outside of the hospitality industry. Absolutely. You know, here at Southern Glazes, we do, we have crisis management programs uh, that we did. We've done two of them already, and we pay an outside service to come in and kind of teach us what would happen. We never have to do that again. We have dealt with the ultimate (laughs) crisis that we could ever deal with. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, you, in everything that you could dream up for a crisis program that you have to deal with, this was it. And I, I really feel like we came out of it with great lessons learned uh, at yeah. great expense, yeah. but at great lessons learned. Yeah. yeah. And I if agree. you look at it like that, if you look at it like that as a learning experience, then that's really what we're trying to present to students as well, that, that you know, through these challenging times, you can you can learn and take those lessons with you. I think that's the main thing. There were lots, yeah. of, lots of experiences, lots of things that I learned and lots of things that, you know, uh, you know, I've cooked more in the last three months than I've co- cooked in 30 years. I mean, I never cook at home anymore. You know, I cook in the summer when I'm out east, but, I, you know, I cook every night. I, I, I jokingly said one day I felt like I'm on a cruise ship with a rotating menu. Uh, you know, <laughs> very good analogy. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's yeah, very felt good. like I was cooking for 3,000 people. That was just, you know, two or three. I, I yeah. tell you one thing, we all got real good at Zoom. Yeah, exactly. We all got yeah, real good at Zoom. We are, we are the Zoom experts. This. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I, now I, I, I'll have to tell you, I'll, it, you know, it, moving forward, it's amazing what you can get done. You know, uh, yeah. Zoom is so much more effective than a conference call. You know, when you're looking at people, it's a much different thing. And I'm looking sure. forward to cutting my travel down significantly. You know, you know, you, you fly three or four hours, you know, uh, to, to attend a 45 minute meeting. Sometimes there's no reason it can't be done on Zoom. So that's my yep. new philosophy. So, good. We like that. Maybe our SOBI meetings will be. We started it last year. We started yeah. doing virtual meetings yep. and it was great because yeah. we can do it from our office. And even there'll definitely be Zoom. There'll definitely be Zoom meetings. No question about it. That's I've great. A lot. All right, we, gang. We, so is it, Ahead, Lee, before we get to Brian's, before we get to Brian's quick rail questions, <laughs> we got to ask the question about our students, right? So you encounter thousands of our students over the course of the festival, and if you could share what they should be doing more of, or what what they're really a little bit of maybe what they you really like about them, and then what things that they could be doing more of, or we could be teaching them more to focus on uh, as your volunteers. Is you got three guys here that are are heavily invested. You know, I I think listening. I I think I've learned to listen. I've learned to ask more questions and to listen. And I think that makes me a better leader. Listening to your employees or listening to your team members. I think it's really important. You know that you don't have all the answers. And guess what? No one has all the answers, and I'm not expected to have all the answers. And it's really okay to say you don't know. You know, the kids today are different. I mean, it's. You know, I, I don't want to like anything in anything. There, there, there are some good students. There are some great students, and there are some average students. And I always, you know, you can always spot them. You and you know, uh, it, it's just amazing to me. I'm not, I'm not a, um, a educator, but you kind of always know those students. When I go into a classroom, you know, the students who have the questions, the students who are not 
just typing away on their iPad, you know, they're listening to doing something different. You know, it's really strange to me when I go into a class at, you know, whether it's UM, FIU, Johnson, well, and they have these, they have their uh, laptops out and you find everyone down, you know, you, everyone's typing in their laptop and they're like, I'm told, well, no, they're taking notes. You're like, no, one's taking notes. They're, you know, uh, they're chatting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I find that very frustrating. Um, but I, you know, FIU in the hospitality school has a great group of students. We don't consider them volunteers. We refer to them as ambassadors. And the festival would not be where it's at today without the students. I mean, we created this program for the students. And as I've said for many years, one of my favorite lines is, I don't want anyone involved in this festival who doesn't want to be involved. If you Mm. feel that you shouldn't be involved, I don't care whether it's faculty. I don't care if it's a student. I don't want a sponsor. If you have to sell a sponsor into the festival, they shouldn't be doing it. If you have to convince a student to work that weekend or to be part of it, they shouldn't be there. They're missing an incredible opportunity. I mean, I, I, I wish that I had an opportunity like that. I mean, I didn't even know that a position in event planning was available. You know, no one talked about event planning at the CIA. And even when I went to FIU, uh, you know, after I finished the CIA, there was no event planning. It's a whole different world today. So I, 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 you know, it disappoints me so much when students aren't interested. And I don't expect people to have the same interests that I do. I mean, I don't have the same interests that, you know, you do or Nathan does or Brian does. You know, I just don't. Yep. But for them to miss an opportunity that allows them a hands-on experience that so many people throughout the world would love to have and these students don't take advantage of, I, I find disappointing. And I find that the students who do take advantage of it come out ahead of the game. You know, some of my best interns have moved on, you know, uh, to opportunities working with some of the greatest hotel or restaurant chains or some of the biggest food personalities because they cared, they were interested and, and, and they, and they committed the time. So that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Here, here. So is it, is it that time, guys? Is it that time? I'm it stretching is. out for you, Lee. I'm stretching out. So this is the, uh, the, the Sobe Wine and Food Festival edition. I'm also calling, causing this the foodie edition uh, because of our guests. And, uh, hey, Lee, they do ask, I ask the boys to chime in every once in a while, but most of them will be directed towards you. And they're quick one-off questions. This started as, you know, we started taking deeper dives into our guests, and we've had some great guests and some great guests coming up. So let's start it out with the foodie edition, shall we, sir? So, Lee... Brussels sprouts or cauliflower? Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Butter or olive oil? Oh, we got them. Well, it depends, but it's four. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to say Irish butter. I, ooh, Kerry oh, butter. Oh, hey, from an Irishman here, that's perfect there. Foie yeah. gras or caviar? Foie gras. Oh, okay. I don't know where you're going to go now. Black truffles or white truffles? Uh... uh Depends on what part of the Hamptons you're in. I, I was, I was, I was going to say it depends what time of year, but I think yeah. if I had to choose white truffles. White truffles, you got it. Chickles and, chicken and waffles or avocado toast? Oh, chicken and waffles. Chicken, God bless you. Uh, food on a stick or in a tiny spoon? On a stick. On a stick. God bless you on that one. All right. For all everyone here, uh, Lee started out. Favorite comfort food? Fried chicken. Ooh, Chef Massey. Oh, God. Uh, pasta. Well, come on, Johnny. Right, we'll come back to Mass. Nathan Dodge. Comfort food. Comfort food. Shepherd's pie. I'm going the Irish. Shepherd's? Oh, wow. I'm going mac and cheese on that one. I love it. All right. Let's go to the drink side, Mr. Lee, real quick. All right. What's your favorite breakfast wine? Bubbles or rose? Bubbles. Bubbles. God bless you. I love that one. Bordeaux or Burgundy? 
Burgundy. Burgundy, God bless you on that one too. I just did a great seminar on that the other day. All right, this next one is new, and my friend Nathan Dodge and also John Noble Master are going to like this one. In our world, Lee, and probably yours, we call this the final final. What is that final drink of the night that you're going to order? You're going to sit in your backyard. You're going to be by your backyard fireplace in the Hamptons. What's your final final? A sauterne. So, ooh, very nice. Yeah. Chef Massey, final final. An aged port. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I know Nathan's turning around to his bar and reaching, oh, my bar. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Nathan and I could have the final final, the same I'm final I'm going to do Fernet. Yeah, I'm going Fernet, but I do mine on the rocks. So I it like used to be. I like my neat. Yeah, and it used to be Grand Marnier, Lee, but now that hurts my head. You know, we're just getting older at the same time. <laughs> and the last speed rail question, and this is a recycled question, Mr. Lee, because I used it before with our friend Alan Susser. This is borrowed from our friends at the CBS Morning Show Weekend Edition. Uh, and when they have their culinary professionals on, the last question they ask, which I think is very appropriate with your culinary background, is uh, if you had the opportunity to cook dinner for anyone, past, present, who would that be? The opportunity to cook for someone past or present. Who would that person be? Well, and why? I'm, I'm going to give you the same answer I've given on the CBS morning show. I rest my case. Thank you. <laughs> um, a, a friend of mine, her name was Edie Beal. Edie Beal, if you uh, ever watched a movie called Grey Gardens. Um, or, but if you don't know Edie Beal, Google Edie Beal. E-D-I-E Beal. B-E-A-L-E. She was a great friend of mine who I met in the Hamptons uh, in the late 70s. And she moved out to Florida and we stayed friendly till her death, probably in the uh, late 90s. But a uh, great friend of mine. Oh, perfect. That's, that's a great answer. And that's why I love that question, particularly for all of us hospitality people out there. So that's my speed rail today. Lee, thank you guys. Uh, thank you, sir, very much for everything you do for us at the Chaplain School. Everything Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Nate. South Florida community. Thank you. Good to see you, John. Thank you, everybody. Good to you. You got yeah. it. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Appreciate Thanks, it right. very much. Have a great day. And Thanks, Lee. Again, we do drop Thanks, new episodes every Friday. Next week's going to be very exciting. Um, I don't think we're going to say who we're doing the next two weeks. No, we, we're not. Have the, we have the next two weeks already planned, and, and I know I'm excited about it. Make sure that you do check out bacardi.fiu.edu to find out more about the Bacardi Center of Excellence and to get your certificates. Uh, what else, Brian, before we all log off together? No, I think that was a great conversation. And, you know, when you really kind of take a step back and think about the incredible impact we have with Soapy, uh, particularly the $30 million, over $30 million raised uh, for the Chaplain School. Yeah. The, the relief just... fund a recent time. You know, what we should have joked around with Lee, maybe he'll have an opportunity because this year, Johnny and I teamed up on the North Venue, and uh, this is my third or fourth year doing I don't remember. But we started clocking the miles. What were we averaging, John? About 13 miles oh. a day? We were walking. Oh, yeah. Uh, 13 yeah, yeah. miles we, a day. We, we, that was and a it's all measuring work. stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all on sand. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, who needs Peloton after cats. that. That's right. So yeah. thank you guys very much. That's all I got on my end. We're moving forward. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you. See you guys next week. Adios. Mm-hmm.